sister, aunt, friend, teacher, sister in Christ, Santa Goodwin. We do so precisely the way she wanted us to. Precisely the way Christians, followers of Jesus, have been marking these events since the beginning of our faith. We accompany her with singing. We sit and listen as we are reminded of the truths of our faith that give us perspective and comfort and hope during this time of grief and mourning. Because as we heard St. Paul say in that second lesson from his letter to the Thessalonians, we don't want to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that we may not grieve as others do who have no hope. The eternal truths of God's scripture aid us on a day such as this to inform us and inform our grief. Because we do grieve. Notice St. Paul did not say he wanted us to be informed so that there was no room for grief or so that we could deny our feelings. Now St. Paul urges us to go ahead and grieve. He even meets us through his words to comfort us in our grief. But what he is pointing to is a qualitative difference in the way that we engage with grief. Not as those who have no hope, but quite to the contrary. As he goes on and he says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. There's the hope. We believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Santa Goodwin believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's why Paul is bold enough to say that for the one who dies in the Lord, death is in fact only sleep. As we'll sing in this church at Easter, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and on those in the tombs bestowing life. We hope, as St. Paul urges us. And we hope in the words that we heard Jesus himself say in the reading from St. John's Gospel. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. In her last days, her last hours, as it turned out, though we didn't know it, Santa talked a lot about going home. If you're not aware of it, Santa's wishes were to die peacefully at home. But last Tuesday and Wednesday, when a pain crisis became difficult to manage at home, she and Everett and Sarah made the decision to transfer her to Pathways Hospice Care Center down in Loveland. She spent less than 24 hours there. But during that time, she talked to Everett several times about going home. In fact, as she began to loosen her grip on this world, she even imagined a few times that she was driving home. 
her one request to Sarah and I as we prepared to go down and, and be with them on Thursday morning was to remember to bring her sandals because she was going to need them to go home. As we've talked about that together as a family, and thought through those last conversations and interactions, we've become convinced that she had a sense. She had a sense that we could not perceive that she was going home with a capital H. Home to the room in the Father's house that Jesus had already prepared for her. Home to be welcomed by him to the great banquet he's prepared for all of us to walk in and sit with. Santa has gone home, just like she wanted. That is a tremendous comfort to us who are left. Yet we who are left are, are still left to mourn and to grieve. Knowing that the pain and anxiety of this life can no longer touch our dearly beloved gives us comfort. Belief in the resurrection gives us hope. But we still grieve our loss. Jesus himself knew. He acknowledged this. Jesus began that passage that we read with the words, Let not your hearts be troubled. It's actually picking up in the middle of a thought, the middle of a teaching that he was giving to his disciples. What were the disciples, what were their hearts troubled over? Well, Jesus had just talked with them again about his own death. At the end of the previous chapter, he said this. He said, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. Naturally, these men who had given up everything to follow Jesus did not take it well to be told, I'm about to go someplace, you can't come with me. He was pointing to the fact that his own crucifixion and death was imminent, but they would not be going with him all the way on that journey. And there's the source of our grief as well. We too have been told by our sister Santa, where I am going, you cannot follow. At least not now. And the pain of that separation brings us sorrow. She is gone, we cannot follow until it's our own time. And so we gather this afternoon to go with her as far as we are able, but no further. But as we do, we go holding on to this hope and comfort. We cannot go now, but we will follow afterward. In this postmodern day and age, belief in an afterlife becomes often an object of, of ridicule. Some called it the chosen opiate of those of us who can't otherwise uh, you know, cope with the harsh reality of death. Friends, I don't know if you are aware of this, but Christians are not just crazy people who believe in an afterlife. It's worse than that. It's worse than you think. We have the audacity to believe in resurrection. That the dead in Christ will actually be brought back to life on the last day. Just the way St. Paul described it. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend 
descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise. That is the hope. The hope that my mother-in-law, Santa Ray Goodwin, believed and proclaimed in a million quiet ways over the course of a life well-lived. A life well-lived following her Lord Jesus. Just this week we were talking about the way she prayed faithfully every day for her children and grandchildren. Everett shared how she was so blessed by the many cards and letters that many of you and people literally all across the country sent to her. And how just in the last few weeks she suggested to him that they go back through them and pray for each person who had sent a note. Even this service, when we talked about what she would want, she said emphatically again and again, she simply wanted Jesus to be glorified, not her. I don't mean to paint her as a saint. She was a human being with struggles and faults like each of us. But in the end, she knew it wasn't about that. It was about Jesus. Santa knew she would go home to be with Jesus, not because she was so good or did this or did that, but because she knew that having placed her faith in Jesus Christ at the age of 16 at a Young Life camp in Buena Vista, Colorado, with Aunt Sarita and Uncle Ahel supporting her, she knew she belonged to Jesus. She believed with all her heart in Jesus' words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so she knew. She knew she was going home for now. But that she would be back at the last. She knew Jesus. She trusted him to take care of the rest. It's a sacred privilege to be with someone in their last moments on this earth. It's what the Celtic Christians called a thin place, a place where the veil between heaven and earth is just much thinner. Things are more perceptible than at other times. It was in such a thin place last Thursday that Sarah and I were privileged to hear the very last words that Santa would ever utter in this life. He'll take care of the rest. See, several weeks back, Everett and Santa were going through a box of CDs looking for a particular recording when they came across an old Keith Green CD, kickback to their early days as believers. For those who are unfamiliar, Keith Green was a singer-songwriter who came to faith in Jesus in the 70s and really spoke to a whole generation of young, new Christians like Everett and Santa Goodwin. One of his classic songs has the refrain in it over and over again. He'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. And after, uh, rather an affirmation, that after a man or woman puts their faith in following Jesus, he'll take care of the rest of it. Take care of the brokenness and pain of our lives. Take care of preparing a place for us to go and to be with him. 
that became something of a watchword for Santa in these final days. And repeating those words one final time, Santa was affirming that Jesus was taking care of her. That he would be the one to take her home, not us. And I believe, too, that she was affirming that Jesus would be here to take care of the rest of us who are left. That he would be here to take care of you, Everett, Dad, as you face the difficult days ahead. That Jesus will take care of all of us as we mourn. He'll take care of the rest. We do mourn, but not as others who do not have hope. We mourn trusting in the Lord of life who will take care of each of us. He'll take care of the rest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.